Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our review of Michael Tony Satterfield's testimony. In this installment, we present our look at the testimony of Jan Malinowski, the president of Palmetto State Bank. That's all coming up right after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It is the afternoon of February 9th, 2023, day 12 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor Creighton Waters confirmed with Michael Tony Satterfield that Alex Murdoch promised to help him secure a cash settlement in the aftermath of his mother Gloria's death, and that Murdoch instead kept all settled funds to himself. As we begin this installment, the state calls Jan Malinowski to the witness stand. As we have already covered a portion of Mr. Malinowski's testimony during an in-camera hearing in episode 59 of this season, we will abridge our coverage of his testimony before the trial's jury. Jan Malinowski appears to be in his late 60s. He has short graying hair and wears a black suit over a white dress shirt and a burgundy pattern tie. Prosecutor Creighton Waters handles the questioning for the state and begins by asking the witness to offer the jury biographical information about himself. Mr. Malinowski is the current president and CEO of Palmetto State Bank a local bank that had done a significant amount of business with Alex Murdoch over the years. Under the prosecutor's guidance, the witness explains that loans at the bank were authorized based on a threshold system, with higher value loans requiring approval from the bank's executive committee. The former CEO, Russell Lafitte, approved various five- and six-figure loans to the defendant over the years. Mr. Malinowski further testifies that, by 2021, Alex Murdoch had a million-dollar line of credit with the bank that was almost maxed out. After Prosecutor Waters takes the witness through various bank statements and other financial documents, the witness asserts that Alex Murdoch had a total indebtedness to Palmetto State Bank of approximately $4 million. Mr. Malinowski confirms that in August of 2021, Norris Lafitte, a member of the family that owns and operates Palmetto State Bank, raised questions about the bank's relationship with the defendant in an email to the executive committee and board of directors. Malinowski further testifies that it was later learned that Russell Lafitte conspired with the defendant to file fraudulent documents in order to retroactively paper the loans. Malinowski also affirms that none of these irregularities were flagged during routine bank audits, and that after Alex Murdoch's crimes came to light, Russell Lafitte was terminated by Palmetto State Bank. 
Six months after the Murdoch trial, Russell Lafitte was convicted of conspiring with Alex Murdoch to commit wire fraud and bank fraud. After Creighton Waters concludes his direct examination of Mr. Malinowski, Judge Clifton Newman calls for a brief break. After the break and before continuing the testimony of Jan Malinowski, defense attorney Philip Barber makes a motion to Judge Clifton Newman regarding the upcoming testimony of Mark Tinsley, the lawyer who represented the family of Mallory Beach in their legal action against the Murdochs. This is something, something new that has come up, Your Honor. I'm sure Your Honor recalls the testimony of Shelley Smith um, this Monday. Um, and her testimony was, let's say, somewhat malleable. Uh, we've discovered uh, late last night that a GoFundMe page was set up for Ms. Smith uh, soliciting donations until the wording was changed during the testimony of the last witness. It read that uh, my mother was caretaker for Alec Murdoch's mom. She recently had to testify against him and goes on to say we want to, I want to reward her for her bravery and honesty. The very first donation made on this uh, GoFundMe page, which was made shortly after it first went up last night, was made by attorney Mark Tinsley, who paid her $1,000, presumably following the description of this in consideration of her testimony. Uh, and Your Honor, I have, if you want, printouts of the screenshot showing that. Shortly after, um, Mark Tinsley's name actually appeared as the, don the donor for 1000 He removed his name, and it now appears as anonymous, but I'm told the Attorney General has confirmed with Mr. Tinsley that he admits he did make this payment to the witness in the middle of trial, who is still innocent. And therefore? Your Honor, and therefore, um, the defense should move to exclude his testimony. And on what basis? Your Honor, the legal standard here is, is difficult to find. I cannot searching Westlaw, find a single case in which a prosecutor has put uh, on a, tries to put to the jury a lawyer who has already testified he has a direct financial interest in the outcome of this case, who is also making monetary payments to prosecution witnesses during the trial. Your Honor, I believe that this is a question of first impression. And because it's a question, of, I understand that the, the facts here in this case are, are disturbing, but because it's a question of first impression, I would respectfully urge the court to, to keep in mind the aphorism that bad facts make bad law. You know, a prosecutor, to my knowledge, to Westlaw's knowledge, has never before done this. What's the improper about what he did? About what Mr. Tinsley did? Yes. He made a financial payment to a witness in the middle of the trial that he has a financial interest in the outcome of. He has testified. He was under subpoena. She's still under subpoena. He made a $1,000 payment as a reward for her honesty testifying in a matter that he has testified that he has a direct financial interest in. Judge Clifton Newman quickly renders a decision on the matter. That would be good fodder for cross-examination. Well, Your Honor, I respect the court's ruling. I'm not going to strike his testimony. You, uh, it may be good fodder for cross-examination. Thank you, Your Honor. Barber then raises another issue. There's one other uh, issue, given the testimony in the uh, in-camera proceedings, we would ask that the, uh, he be precluded from offering testimony about focus groups on the verdict for the, uh, the Beach matter, uh, speculation about fixing a jury in Hampton County. These matters don't go to the motive uh, purpose that his testimony is being offered for and would be prejudicial. Well, 
I'm loath to attempt to screen testimony in advance. Uh, lawyers ask questions, lawyers object, judges rule. So uh, you've sounded a warning to the state that you will, you object to that testimony. And um, if such a question is asked and an objection is made, then I, I will rule on the objection. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Anything, anything else? From the state, Your Honor. With Judge Newman deferring his decision on Prosecutor Barber's motion, Defense Attorney Jim Griffin rises to begin his cross-examination of Jan Malinowski. Good afternoon, Mr. Malinowski. The uh, $750,000 loan that was made in in July of 2021, um, that was approved by three members of the Executive Committee, was it not? Yes, sir. And the three members that approved that loan were Mr. Charlie Lafitte, uh, Mr. Russell Lafitte, and Ms. Gray Henderson, is that correct? That's correct. And Mr. Charlie Lafitte was chairman of the board of the Palmetto State Bank at the time, is that right? Yes, sir. He's the largest shareholder of Palmetto State Bank? Him individually, no. He wasn't the largest individual? Nope. Did he own 30% of the bank? Not individually, no. And then his son was Russell Lafitte? That's correct. And his daughter was Gray Henderson? Correct. And it was his position that if Alec Murdoch wanted a loan from Palmetto State Bank, that the bank would loan him the money. Is that correct? That was his opinion. And Alec Murdoch was a member of PMPED Law Firm. You are aware of that at the time? Yes, sir. PMPED Law Firm was one of the most uh, largest customers of the bank. It was a large customer of the bank. And the partners in the firm all had banking relationships with the bank, correct? Uh, I'm, I'm aware that many did, yes. And oftentimes when uh, members of the law firm had clients who needed to borrow money before they got recoveries in their case, the partners from the firm would send them to the bank, and the bank would loan money on, on future recoveries. Are you aware of that? Yes, I am. And so the firm was good business for the bank. It was a good customer. And, and the bank, in turn, was provided good services to the members of the firm. Yes, sir. And if it meant getting a loan in a rush without having all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, I mean, that would happen. Isn't that right? Not to that magnitude, no. Well, it certainly happened uh, with Mr. Alec Murdoch in July of 2021, right? I believe in August of 2021. The loan was made, the money was provided to Mr. Alec Murdoch in July of 2021, right? 350000 was provided in, uh, with that wire transfer I subsequently acknowledge you of. And the documentation was essentially loan not on the books or what's the acronym? Loans not on system, L-N-O-S. Right. But it's a loan, it's just not on the system. It's an advance from a general ledger account to be documented as a loan down the road? One would hope, yes, sir. And that's what happened here? Eventually. In August? In August. Now, 
Alec didn't work for the bank, did he? No, sir. He didn't represent the bank, did he? To my knowledge, no. He was just a good customer of the bank, is that right? Yes, sir. And the bank treated him like a good customer because that was in the bank's interest? Yes, sir. Now, you said something on direct that, that I want to follow up on. And my notes say that after the tragic murder of Maggie and Paul, that the bank undertook a loan review of Alex's loans. Is that right? In response to the August 9th uh, email, yes, sir. Well, the, and the August 9th email was triggered because of Maggie and Paul's murders? That and other information, yes, sir. Okay. And what other information? I think Mr. Norris Lafitte had asked some questions or had conversations with individuals and wanted to know the full accounting of the bank's relationship. And and one of the factors that that Mr. Norris Lafitte uh, included was he had just lost his wife and son, and and let's take a look at it, at his standing with the bank, loans outstanding, et cetera. I think that's a fair statement, yes. Okay. Uh, Up until June 7, 2021, the bank was not examining Alex loans, were they? We're not. We're not scrutinizing them, no, sir. Yeah, he did um, have a. He and Maggie had a loan review from the bank, whether they knew it or not, back in July 10th of 2020. Correct. Yes, sir. Jim Griffin hands Mr. Malinowski a document before displaying it on a monitor for the witness. Malinowski refers to the monitor frequently as Mr. Griffin continues his questioning. I'm going to show you Defendant's Exhibit 91 and ask if this is the loan review that was done, documented to the Executive Committee on July 10th, 2020. Yes, this is a copy of a loan uh, review prepared by Gray Henderson, uh, the relationship uh, summary of Alec Murdoch and Maggie Murdoch. Thank you. And what's the date? 2020. July 2020. Your Honor, I would move Exhibit. Defendant's Exhibit 91 and evidence of this time. Submit it. So to the executive committee on July 10th, 2020, um, who, who was on the executive committee with the bank? That time, uh, Charlie Lafitte, Russell Lafitte, uh, Gray Henderson, myself, I believe Scott Swain was on it at that time. And it's a five-member executive committee? Yes, sir. And, and I think you mentioned earlier that the... Does it take the majority of the committee to approve loans over a certain amount? Uh, sitting in a meeting, yes, sir. Excuse me? In a meeting, yes, sir. Okay. The, uh, and Gray Henderson is preparing this loan review for uh, Alec Murdoch, right? Yes, sir. It says Richard Alec, Richard Alexander Alec Murdoch is a lifetime resident of Hampton County. He and his wife, Margaret B. Maggie, recently sold their home in Hampton and moved their permanent residence to their farm in Islington. Alec is a respected partner with Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Dietrich Law Firm. They are currently involved in a wrongful death suit involving their youngest son, Paul, in a voting accident. Civil case is still pending. Uh, so that was the background on this. That was a general summary of current situation. And then the reviewed financials uh, related to, to their tax returns and whatnot. Is that correct? Uh, she's just stating in there that uh, what financial information we have on file. And, and then we go through outstanding loan. Is that right? It's a summary of the loan. Yes, sir. Okay. And the, the first loan is, is uh, can you tell us what that is? Williams Island on St. Helena? 
We had a loan, I believe that that loan uh, was a joint loan with a gentleman by the name of Barrett Bowler, uh, secured by two or three little islands off St. Helena. And that loan's in good standing? All payments payments made as agreed, yes, sir. And now the next loan is a loan um, on, that's the Edisto Beach House, is that right? Yes, sir. And here it says that the the home appraised for 440 in February of 2016, and um, current balance on the note was $206,000, and this is in July of 2020, is that right? That's what it says, yes, sir. And it says they've been 30 days late three times, I think that's what it says. Yes, sir. I guess if you... Go over 30 days on your loan payment. That's a strike against you when the it gets noticed. It gets yeah, it gets noticed. But that that house at Edistow, a bank had a mortgage on it dating back at least for some time, right? Yes, sir. And, and you know it recently sold yes, that sir. house. And do you know the sale price? Uh, I think it was just below a million dollars. Okay, so the bank's pretty good in a pretty good position here in July 2020 with. A, $200,000 on a, what sold a couple of years later for a million dollars, right? Oh, many years later, but yes. How many years later? Well, I think it occurred in 2022, and this is in 2020. Two years then? To go with that? Yeah, I'll go with that. It's too many? In the real estate market, two years can right. be a long time. All right. Then then the next loan is uh, first mortgage on 856 acres and the second mortgage on 914 acres. That's the Moselle property, is that right? Yes, sir. And uh, what's the outstanding balance of that loan? 719769 And what kind of value do you have there? Uh, good value in it. If the appraisal is $3.3 million. Now, you know there's a contract on that property today? I understand there is, yes. You know what it is? No, sir, I don't. Okay. You know it's more than 3.3? I don't know that. Okay. Bank still has a mortgage on it? We do. Okay. You turn the page, then? But that's the last one on there. And here's another loan, and I guess that's part of the same. That's a, another track at Moselle with additional. Was that the same loan? Are we talking about a new loan here? I believe we are, yes. Okay, and what is this? Uh, this balance is uh, $888,527.08. Okay, and what's the value we have on this? Uh, I assume it's the Moselle $3.3 million from the preceding loan. Okay. Two, two mortgages on a single property. All right. Or the acreages. And then the conclusion here, the summary is Alec and Maggie Murdoch are longtime customers of Palmetto State Bank. They've had some late payments, but in my opinion, those are mainly due to Alec's being hard to reach and set appointments to sign the paperwork. The majority of his payments are set up on an annual basis because the law firm makes their distributions in December. Now, let me ask you about that. Were you, were you aware that a lot of the partners at the law firm who owe money to Palmetto State Bank just pay once a year because that's really when the, the bulk of their income is generated or received. That's I, my understanding. That's correct. And so this was not special just to Alec, but it's not that other partners at the firm have the same payment plan. You're setting up the repayment to coincide with the receipt of their income or the bulk of the income. Sure. And it says the Murdochs have always paid their loans to the bank, and I do not see that changing. And it says depending on the outcome of the pending lawsuit, they may have to liquidate some assets, but our loans are more than sufficiently collateralized, meaning you've got plenty of security. Is that right? In 2020, yes, sir. Alec and Maggie have, to your knowledge, never been turned down for a loan at Palmetto State Bank. 
my knowledge, they have not. Now, there were some loans that, that were, I guess, written off, as you said, or charged off, where Alec was a member of a partnership, LLC, some sort of structure where there were other partners involved, and that those loans went in default. Is that right? Yes, sir. But Alec kept paying on those notes, did he not? Periodically, he'd make payments. Did any of the other partners in Redbeard or, or United, were they making payments? To my knowledge, no. To your knowledge, it was only Alec that was making the payments? Yes. To your knowledge, was there any reason in the world for Alec to believe that in June of 2021, if he needed additional money from Palmetto State Bank, that he couldn't just go down there and talk to Russell Lafitte or Charlie Lafitte and ask for a loan? In June of 2021? Yes, sir. Uh, I don't see any reason why he couldn't have that conversation with Charlie and, and, and Russell. And he had, to your knowledge, never put on any notice that your, your business is not welcome here at Palmetto State Bank in June of 2021. Is that right? In 20, June of 2021. That's correct. In June of 2021, the bank is fully collateralized on the outstanding notes. Uh, with the exception of the one where he was a co-borrower, I believe, with his father. I think that was an unsecured loan. And his father being um, uh, Randolph Murdoch. The third, yes, sir. The third, yes. One second, Your Honor. With that, Jim Griffin concludes his cross-examination of Mr. Malinowski. Creighton Waters rises for a brief redirect of the witness. Very briefly, Your Honor. You're asking about whether Alec uh, made some year-end payments on some of those charged-off loans, correct? Yes, sir. And your review was some of that money that was used to make those payments ultimately converted money from client funds? I believe so, yes. You are asked whether or not in June of 2021 whether Alec could have talked to Charlie DeFeet or Russell DeFeet uh, about another loan. Is that right? In June of 2021, yes. In June of 2021. At that point in time, had it come out that he had been stealing client funds for years? No, sir. Had it come out that he had been disbarred? No, sir. Had it come out that he had been diverting fees from his law firm? No, sir. Had it come out that he had been forced to resign from his law firm? No, sir. If any other things had come out, would the bank continue to have loaned him money? No, sir. Mr. Griffin asked you if Alec had been a good customer, correct? Yes, sir. When all of this crashed and burned, was the bank left holding the bag for all these uncollected loans? Yes, sir. Including the $750,000? Yes, sir. Nothing further, thank you. Jim Griffin again rises for a very brief recross of Mr. Malinowski. Mr. Malinowski, the bank had mortgages on the properties that we just went over, did it not? They did. And those mortgages didn't disappear when Alec Murdoch, when all this came to light, did they? No, sir. All right. Thank you. I'm going to step down. Thank you. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we begin our review of the testimony of Mark Tinsley, the lawyer who represented the family of Mallory Beach in their legal battle against the Murdochs. Also check out the Crime Story podcast Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.